Hello and welcome to another episode of that Northeast Sound, your audio guide to all that is great about the Northeast of England. So, listeners, just one small but incredibly important update. I'm going to whisper it just to underestimate the importance of it just a little bit. We are now on iTunes. Hooray! On iTunes. That means we have been sucked into the corporate machine, but I couldn't care less. I am one with Apple. So if you have an iPhone or a podcast player on your Android, Windows, smartphone, maybe you have a BlackBerry. I'm not sure if people have Blackberries these days. But you can now subscribe to that Northeast Sound and have new episodes downloaded to your phone or home computer in just a couple of clicks. Um, so just go onto iTunes, go to the podcast store, search for that Northeast Sound and you'll find us there with our still rather primitive looking logo, but it is adorable. Uh, you can also go to soundcloud.com forward slash that Northeast Sound and download new episodes from there. So, uh, this episode's guest is the lovely and incredibly talented Simon Preston. Now, Simon is the director of the Eat Festival, um, a fantastic and popular annual event that brings the foodie world to Newcastle Gateshead. And pretty much everything that I know about food in the Northeast is because of him and the festival. So, I was so pleased when he agreed to be on the podcast. And... As expected, Simon was a joy to chat with and you can really tell when he talks that he is passionate about food and culture in the Northeast and he's really ambitious about the future of the Eat Festival and you know when he was talking about different dishes and different food events I kind of found myself doing that Homer Simpson you know in my mind. Um, I'm hoping I didn't actually do it out in the open you know sort of slobbering on myself whilst trying to conduct a semi-professional conversation with him but uh you get the idea i was um i was chuffed to bits with this particular podcast also thanks to pink lane coffee uh in newcastle for letting us host this podcast recording in their lovely little cafe uh sorry if the background music at any point um overwhelms the conversation a little bit anyway so enjoy this week's that northy sound with simon preston food movies with like the rocket shooting into the moon that kind of thing is that him um that that's um else? george george melier george melier yeah. uh yeah a journey to the moon yeah sorry I'm, I'm pulling out my film I degree know, specialism fresh, now yeah. sorry <laughs> but um are you okay with all this background absolutely fine yeah. no this uh the, the mic is very good at picking up sort of all the stuff that's kind of low level so okay. it's, it's absolutely fine but um i've walked past here um probably a million times and never come in and it's only your suggestion of coming into here that I kind of go this is a really cool place and every time I've ever come to do ever come to participate or do events at the Eat Festival um, I've learned more about the food scene in the North East than I have done with anything else you know including recommendations on Facebook and all that sort of thing so for you mm. through doing the Eat Festival mm. what, have, what have you learned about the food scene in the northeast. <laughs> uh, well, I um, I usually have one day a week where I have meetings, mm. uh, and I kind of I don't know if it's a rule or whether it's just the way I am. But if somebody contacts me and says, "Hello, 
I'm me, I do this, can I meet you? I say, yes, yeah, sure, where, when? So uh, I have really packed meeting days, which are back-to-back, sort of eight, nine-hour uh, days with meetings every hour. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have an office in town, so I just say, where are you? I'll meet, I'll come to you. So I hoof all over the place. I mm. literally walk miles and miles and miles and miles to every little corner of the city. So I guess it's how you call, you find out about things is by walking and yeah. seeing places. Um, but also, when you go to someone's house, you learn a quite a lot about them. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see spaces that you would never normally get to see. Yeah. And people sort of think, say, I want to show you this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but what's that over there? And they say, oh, well, actually, are you interested in this as well? I'm like, yeah, that looks amazing. That's a great space. Yeah. Or, you know, so you kind of uncover and uh, discover uh, little sort of hidden gems as you go, really. So is the space as important as the food yeah I think so yeah I yeah. think so um, it's an odd one really when we when it was first commissioned by Newcastle Gateshead Initiative yeah. one of their objectives was to take the people of the North East and visitors mm. to the kind of iconic spaces of the city mm. I mean back then you know it was a very different place even though it was only seven eight years ago mm. um, you know there was the breadth of adventures and, and events and so on going on people didn't really get to the corners do they do now lots of spaces were closed off yeah um, and one of my objectives was to find spaces and to take people to those spaces so I being kind of young and eager to please went beavering off trying to find new spaces um, and then make things fit those spaces and I guess in a way it's formed a habit really so even though now there isn't the same um, sort of requirement for me to go and find spaces I can't quite help it yeah so how much do you feel when you when you're talking about over sort of the last seven eight years mm-hmm. since the e-festival yeah. started how much for you has has the food scene in, in Newcastle Gateshead changed yeah. for you uh, utterly transformed yeah I think utterly transformed uh, in more ways I think than is visible I think it's it's yes things have changed visibly and I think particularly in the last couple of years uh, it's been wonderful to see new places opening and staying open because mm. We had a middle patch where places opened and didn't stay open, mm. and that was really awful to see because yeah. you felt like, you know, I mean, no, this isn't obviously down all to me or to eat, but you felt like you played a part in kind of encouraging this kind of uh, confidence and ambition, and maybe the market wasn't quite there to yeah. sustain it. Um, but now there's places opening all over the place in a recession, in a recession where the northeast is suffering particularly badly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yet places are staying open. Um, so I think um, that's great to see. But I think, as I say, it's not just the visible things like there are more places. It's the diner has changed. Yeah. You know, and people's expectations have changed, and we're more mature in the way we eat out. And we don't expect to go to places and see, you know, 27 things on a menu. Uh, you know, and, just, and for for it to be really complicated over elaborate food you know there people for a long time British people yeah. myself you know we had to be impressed when we ate out because it was about being flashy and yeah. you know and now it's not you know it's about life it's about food culture it's about you know our, our sort of um, quality time that we spend with friends and family mm. and we're really happy to go and experience something really simple but very nicely and cleanly done yeah and, and design is a bigger thing and the the sociable experience of eating out is a bigger thing and you know where we're sitting now we're sitting with you know old raggy old bits of furniture and stuff, but it's done with somebody's taste and style which we appreciate so but there's so many restaurants now that that style themselves towards that kind of mm-hmm. rustic feel mm-hmm. that kind of like gastro pub yeah. feel yeah um but I had I had a I had a conversation with a friend on the weekend, and she's got a couple of kids, and the Eat Festival for her is 
one of the big highlights of the year. And the reason being is because it's so it's so family friendly and there's so many events, especially like Cakebook for example is massive. Like how, how important for you is it that that family friendly orientation is, is there within the festival? Well, I think that um, we have tried as hard as we can yeah. not to make it a really middle class festival that's just about you know, nice food in nice places for nice people. Um, which is really hard actually because there's something very middle class about a food festival, you know, and yeah. so to try not to be that is almost rebelling against what you naturally are. And not um, what I mean because you think about the burger and the evolution of the burger and so many places sell the burger in, in almost kind of like a, a middle class kind of facade now, do you know what I mean? When it is very yeah. much a kind of a, a, not a peasant dish, but you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's very kind of... Um, for everyone, so yeah. to speak, you think there's a barbecue. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. No, so. no, not at all. Um, I think one of the uh, great um, positive things that happened for you right at the very beginning was uh, NGI had decided that as part of its project at the time, you know, it had a, a very broad-ranging culture project to bring more culture to the northeast for two reasons to make the northeast appreciate more what it's good at and what it what to, to, to feel prouder of being what we are but also to to to, to spin stories outside the northeast mm. about hey come on there's some great things happens here it's worth visiting it's worth moving it's worth working here and so mm. on um, and they decided that food could be an element of that so when they started to do that and i started to work with them they also brought in a group of really great restaurateurs from the city and said you know, let's just go for lunch and talk about food. Mm. And we did just talk about food and what it's like to work in the food industry and what's good about it and what's not so good about it. And we talked about school meals and we talked about what people eat at home. We talked mm. about health and we talked about nutrition. Uh, and someone was busy scribbling some notes down while we were talking. <laughs> and that person then went away and formed that into sort of five or six objectives for eat which would address some of those issues that we would talk about then. And if, although we do relook at those objectives every year, we don't change them very much because they usually still apply in different mm. ways. And those objectives really talk about kids and how important it is that kids who live in the city understand where their food comes from, yeah. where it grows, about the sea and about the air and about the land, and, and, and about you know, health and about fun and enjoyment and families yeah. and sharing and getting around a table yeah. and then about people who work in the industry and want to feel good about working in the industry and not be exploited and not feel like, you know, that they, that they have, you know, they're, they're doing a, a servile job rather than a service job. Yeah. You know, so a lot of those things are still very much enshrined in our objectives, which although I probably only read them two or three times a year, they're kind of there in the back of your head. So as you're making decisions about how should we do this, how should we do that, you're always referring back in your head to where well, we need to make sure that we're still making this connection with kids and we're still inspiring young people and we're still including um, you know, people from all different backgrounds. So, so talking about sort of kids again, I mean, yeah. when you were growing up, mm -hmm. what was what inspired you to get into into food and mm. hospitality to an extent? God, I don't actually know. I mean, I lived in a very, you know, um, kind of, yeah, sort of working class. My dad was a teacher, so a bit middle class as well. He yeah. was a woodwork teacher. Um, but we was definitely not a foodie house at all. I'd never been to a restaurant until I was 18, ever. Right. Um, and never been abroad and never been to London you know, so I hadn't had any of those kind of experiences yeah. you know, I think chip shop was about the highlight of kind of my culinary but I uh, aged about 
12, I started collecting glasses at, a wed- at weddings in a really crap <laughs> hotel. Um, and I remember just putting my head through the kitchen door and just thinking it was just the most incredible place. And yeah. Singing the chefs were just awesome. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to be a chef from that day forward, really. I don't know why. And I think it must have been something about the authority of a chef and the atmosphere and the cleanliness and the white and the uniforms and the, the kind of high regard they were held in and so on. I never did become a chef. And actually, although I do loads of stuff in food, one thing I don't really do is cooking very much. <laughs> Most of my friends are chefs, so they do most of the cooking. Um, so I didn't I never actually ended up doing the one thing that I wanted to do. But, I, but I'm really happy, actually, to have worked my whole life in the food industry and have never wanted to do anything else. Mm. Because, unfortunately, the food industry is full of people who don't want to work in it. Right. Or think they don't, because it's a, you know, often a low status, status, long hours, low pay, yeah. hard occupation. Um, but there's so much pleasure in it, and so much you know great stuff, and so many amazing people work in the food industries. Yeah, you know, all, such such fantastic personalities, mm, great um, artistry. Yeah, exactly, and creative people, and yeah. people who have a particular approach to life, and sociable people. Um, but that's what has been brilliant for me, and why I love it. So, even though you didn't become a chef, mm. you you still for a time had a very successful career in, in hospitality management yeah. <laughs> where you got your... It came to a crashing end. No, it didn't. <laughs> Not at all. I think it evolved. It yes, evolved, it did evolve. It? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But you, um, I read that you'd got, um, or you contributed towards a Michelin star at mm. the Juniper. I did. At, in Manchester. Yes. Um, what kind of effort and determination did it take to even, you know... Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, my... When I was a student, I was kind of into like, music and performance and art and stuff. Mm. So I, my first job was running a, a restaurant and bar in a theatre, and I did that for in a very avant-garde like, experimental arts theatre. And so I'd worked at that kind of like, never had a suit in my life, never worn a tie in my life, you know, just kind of worked in a very unstructured, un, um, uh, undisciplined environment and a very creative environment. And while I was, I still was working the food and doing what I loved. Mm. And then... Uh, through uh, strange twists of fate, I ended up uh, going to work as general manager of a new restaurant with Michelin star aspirations, is what the advert said. Yeah. And I didn't know what a Michelin star was at that time, so I looked it up and thought, oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Bought a suit, went for the interview, got the job through, through some strange charm. Um, <laughs> and crikey. And then really had my education because... Uh, I joined a team, who seven people who had worked together for years and years and years at that stage in different mm. places, and had come together with this this goal, uh, and nothing, nothing, nothing was going to get in the way of that goal, and and the sacrifices they put themselves through and the work they did, and you know you'd be working till three or four in the morning, and you'd be so tired that mm. you felt you could hardly lift your hand, and you'd go to cut a corner, like a tiny corner. And someone would just like look at you, you know, because you don't cut corners. It doesn't matter how tired you are, it's irrelevant. You've just burned yourself tough, you feel sick, tough, you know, you can't, you know, tough, you know, you've had some personal crisis, tough. The only thing that mattered in that team was getting a start. And they, and I was weak and I didn't stick at it for nearly as long as they did, but I, st- I stuck at it for just over a year and we got our star. And it wasn't a life for me, uh, but. It taught me everything, you know, in terms of um, commitment and, and hard work and, and uh, you know, this desire to attain something that's beautiful and perfect and, you know, um, and special and the rewards that come with that. So, uh, whereas it was something I didn't sustain uh, working in that um, 
um, that that end of the industry. It's yeah. something that I kind of everything leads back to that for me, really. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm a couple of years ago I watched um, the documentary El Bully mm-hmm. Cooking in Progress, yeah. and. I, it, it, that showed me how how much work and creativity and how many sort of very minute processes go into just creating a you know what they were aiming for was a, a three star Michelin yeah. menu essentially yeah. and it, you kind of look at it in the same way that an artist would spend years upon years upon years kind of perfecting a craft and I guess the I guess for me with with food it's Perfection is a very kind of subjective word, really, isn't it? Because you, you know, for one, oh, sorry, object, I should say, because it's so, you know, for one person that would love, you know, um, you know, not watching it now, you know, um, you know, beautiful sort of red mullet or things like that. You know, another person would just be quite happy with a quarter pound of burger. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that, but it's just so, how much goes into it is, is unbelievable yeah um, and how much can go wrong as well yeah. that's the amazing thing about restaurants is that you've got this really complicated machine mm. that you can't switch off mm. you know it just has to keep going yeah. because you know there is no there's no gap between you know in, in most industries you have, you manufacture something or you sell something or you consume something but yeah. you don't do all three at the same time and there's a gap between them. So after you've manufactured it, there's a gap, and then it's sold, and then there's a gap, and then it's consumed. Yeah. So if anything goes wrong in any of those processes, you've got a bit of slack. Yeah. Whereas there's no slack in this industry. You, know? you have to make it when it's wanted, and it's got to be sold at that precise moment in time, and then consumed on the spot in perfect condition. Mm. Um, and yet you work in an industry where nothing's perfect, and if, you, know, you rely on hundreds of suppliers, on hundreds of pieces of equipment, on dozens of members of staff who all have personalities and good days and bad days, with hundreds of customers who also have all their different quirks and things. Mm. And you've got this very fast-moving, fast-paced, complicated little dance going on where it appears sometimes everything is conspiring to go wrong at the same time. Yeah. And your job is to make sure that you get to the end of it with nothing having, you know, with no one realising anything went wrong. Mm. And at the Michelin star industry, those are the people who are really good at that. Yeah. And making sure that it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter what goes wrong. Everything will be fine in the end. I guess. I guess that's why they compare chefs to like conductors of orchestras and things like that. You know? Well, that's also why kitchens are such, are such pressured places because mm. you know you you can't sit somebody down and say take five minutes and to, and to gather your thoughts, yeah. you know, or go for a walk or go for a cigarette. You can't. It's got. You've got a minute to get this done. It's yeah. done now, and it doesn't matter what how you're feeling or what's gone wrong or or how many other things you've got to do at the same time, it has to be done. And that's why kitchens have this strange culture, mm. um, which is good and bad, you know, and there's a lot of bad stuff, but I think we're getting better. We, uh, I, I bumped into you a couple of times at last year's Eat Festival. Um, one of the places that I bumped into was at the, the, the Secret Speakeasy yeah. um, bar. And it was for uh, Juro Dreams of Sushi, yeah. the eat-along. And me and my friends were very lucky in eating some lovely, lovely sushi. sushi yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. And an amazing documentary as well. Um, how much is eating as a, and food as a kind of a, a sensory experience? How important is that for you on top of kind of the, you know, the, the, the other kind of cultural elements to the Eat Festival? Um, 
rephrase, rephrase the question for me. I'm well, not really following you exactly. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's not just about eating. It's about creating an experience. Yeah. And for me, being able to, like, for example, if you if you go to the IMAX, for example, and you sit there with your 3D yeah. glasses on yeah, and yeah, you I'm watch Gravity, yeah, okay. and how you know how immersive that feeling is. You know, you're not just you're not just eating. You're you're feeling kind of the the mood and the emotion around that food. So how how important is it for you that people look beyond food as just a taste? I think um, that's not really the way that I approach it actually you know I think that kind of stuff almost happens by mistake yeah. or by, by, by happy happy accident in that you know the festival sort of sprung up as a way to it was a culture you know the, the, it's an odd festival because it's a food festival but it's a cultural festival it's yeah. about the culture of food and it's about how food affects us in our lives you know and how it, it changes the way we are with each other and how we interact with it at home and in the workplace and when we go out and you know how it makes us feel and how it makes us um, you know affects our state of mind and our, and our health and so on and so forth and most food festivals are about um, where you can buy it and where it grows and how healthy it is and how much it costs and so on and so forth and how you cook it and we do all that as well but that's not how I approach it at all it's all about um, exploring and having adventures and so on. It seems um, to have a more community feel Yeah, to it and very well. much community feel, exactly. Yeah, I think so. So I guess I'm always looking for, for new ways to explore and to have fun and kind of try to kind of surprise and challenge. And, and I'm just quite playful, really, with it. So, you know, if I come across uh, you know, an idea. Well, the way the way I work is that if I see something that I think is interesting, I write it down, and, and and usually by the end of a year, I've filled several notebooks full of things. And then when it comes to the time when I need to think about what I'm going to do for each, I think you know I've got a new program, and everyone's always saying, "How are you going to with new ideas?" And surely there's nothing else that can be done. And I'll dig through my book and I think, "Oh, well, that's interesting, and that's interesting, and that's interesting." And if I put all those three things together that would make an amazing event people would really love that so it all falls together in a fairly abstract way and then I just you just have to have a knack about trying to understand what it is that gives people a good experience of coming to an event and really enjoying it and getting something out of it so so yeah maybe maybe things appear to be more um, more planned than they are they tend to be come together as a fairly happy accident really <laughs> well I think the thing is is that you yeah, on the surface of it, when you, like, me and my wife went to the, the launch dinner last year, mm -hmm. and it was, what was found, what was great about it was the general setup and organisation of it was fantastic, but it was great how you couldn't predict that by the end of it it was going to be a draw between, yes. the, between the two competing teams and yeah. the two menus. So what, what for you, when you when you look back over the last few years of the mm -hmm. festival, what for you has been kind of the, that, that main highlight, that thing when you look back on you really, it brings a smile to your face? God, it's really terrifying actually. Um, this city, you know, I've kind of done a hundred things here now and been given, you know, it's been a huge privilege to be given the chance to use so many interesting spaces and work with so many amazing people. Um, and now traveling around the city is a bit of an odd experience because I turn every corner and I just kind of smile because I remember something weird or unusual. And actually quite, quite a lot of pain as well. You know, a lot of the events are really exhausting and I. Uh, as my friends and family tell, I've injured myself quite a lot in order to try and pull off quite a lot of these events because I tend to be quite reckless <laughs> in my desire to do things well. And I, I, it's that Michelin star thing as well. You actually put your own health and safety sometimes um, further down the pecking order than you should. 
So it's been a strange uh, adventure with the city, really. Mm. Um, we've done some things that have really deeply affected people okay. um, in a positive way. Yeah. Know, they found deeply intense experiences. Um, and that is really special, I think, to, 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 to realise that something you've done makes people feel really strongly and that's an art or a cultural experience I think mm. whereas I don't consider myself to be an artist by any means it's quite nice to brush with that sense of having created something that really touches people so for example um, uh, four or five years ago we did an event called um, Don and Noir it was a dinner in, pitch, in total pitch darkness yeah. um, which is something that people talk about quite a lot because it really profoundly affected people people sat and had a three course meal in total pitch darkness um, uh, served by a blind waiter, yeah. um, who was obviously very familiar in that space, yeah. and you know people were just in tears, you know, at the end of the experience, but in a really positive way, saying that was just one of the most incredible things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. That was really wonderful, uh, and there's been a number of other experiences that we've we've created that, that I think have really profoundly affected people in a way they'll never forget. Mm. I have to, without sort of trying to sound too cliched, anything with kids, you know, anything you do with kids is really wonderful, you know. Yeah. They just have a real special way to kind of, sort of throwing themselves into things in a in a much um, less guarded way than adults do. And yeah. I think what's also interesting is that adults always think that worry about kids being overwhelmed or being frightened or being um, um, kind of um, put off by the experiences that we put them through, and they never are. You no, know, we don't give our kids quite enough credit for what they're capable of, and even things like you know getting quite down and dirty with gutting and heading fish and beheading fish. <laughs> Kids are the first ones in there to be shoving their fishing fingers into the fish yeah. gills, going, what's this, what does it do, is it dead? You know, and, then, and the adults saying, come away, come away. You know, we don't want you to be upset. The kids are not upset, are they? And I think that's a great thing. You know, yeah. you think, well, actually, we're really connecting these kids to food. Yeah. And to the, you know, the fact that, you know, it's a dead fish, you know, and it's a dead lamb, whatever it might be, and that's where mm. the food comes from. And trying to make them understand about that it's important that we understand where our food comes from, it's important that we care for the fish and we care for the animals and we treat them well mm. and we respect them and that we then cook and eat these things and, and we take huge pleasure in that. Yeah. Um, I remember once we did an event where, we'd, where some crabs had been caught um, to be then killed and eaten yeah. and the kids had been involved in catching the crabs and then uh, when, the kids were, when the crabs were then taken to be cooked, you know, one of the parents the kid asked the parents where the crabs had gone and the parents said, oh, it's fine, they've all been let back into the sea. And the kid, like, broke down in hysterics and said, but they were supposed to be cooked, you know, why have you let them go? And it's exactly the opposite to what the parent expected. Yeah. Know, they thought that, you know, the kid would be upset about the, the crabs being cooked, where it was quite the opposite, they didn't want them to let go. So kids are amazing, you know, and yeah. very rewarding indeed to work with kids. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm a teacher and I work in a secondary school, so, um, and, and for me, when... You, when you work with year 7 students 11, 12 year olds they are so much more curious so much more inquisitive and they're so much more willing to get stuck in and, and don't really care so much about what is what other people kind of think of them or of, of what they're doing within that particular activity but by the time they're getting into sort of year 10, year 11 and they're sort of 15, 16 years old it's like oh well what will this person think of me if I start gutting a fish yeah. you know or something yeah. like that you know and I think you know I, and I, I think that's great because I think parts of the festival encourage adults to kind of be kids again yeah. I think Tuniversity Challenge yeah. is, um, is a big part of that as well and the, um, the French soup 
um, game. Where uh, the, yeah, the Sockpot game. That's yeah. it, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. brilliant. I absolutely love it. Yeah. So um, what's what's planned for this the, 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 well, the, the big new thing, Yeah, festival? the big thing for, uh, for me has been um, kind of, you know, the festival coming of age to a degree in mm. that... It's you know, people do like it now and they do look forward to it and they do look out for it. It makes life easier in that you don't have to be kind of getting everyone's attention all the time. Mm. Uh, also, the coming of or the growth of the internet and social media has made it a lot easier to get information out to people. But I would say that's been one of the sort of the big factors in, in making the Eat Festival well known. I yeah. think the really well tuned in to social media yeah. which I think is great well, and that connection exactly. with Newcastle Gateshead and we've, we've tried to use technology all the way down the line to yeah. to to, to, to um, engage and challenge and change the experiences that people have mm. um, and you know Cakebook sprang out of Facebook you yeah. know but Facebook in 2007 when it was only just really starting out and I yeah. thought it was an amazing thing and it enabled us to create huge scale community events without huge budgets that normally yeah, go with that, you know, it's a very uh, cost-effective way of doing things. So, yeah, so that's kind of enabled us to approach things differently. Um, so we've now broken it down into three separate festivals yeah. rather than one festival. Um, so our Cake Book or Cake Maps or Cake, Cake Britain or whatever thing has it's become so big, Planet. Cake Planet this year, and it's yeah. become so big that it kind of didn't really fit within the festival anymore, so mm. I've spun that out uh, as a separate standalone event. Yeah. Um, Married it with a festival of tea, so it's now called Tea and Cake Planet, which is two different festivals of tea with Cake Planet as kind of a central event within it. Yeah. But interestingly, the tea thing's really taken over now, and I think it'll be very much about tea. Um, so we've got two different festivals of tea in um, June, yeah. and then Eat Out, which is a 11, 12 day festival of outdoor events in, in August. And then Eat In, which is a 12-day festival of indoor events in February next year. So the, I, can, I guess in a way, spreading into three separate things has been quite a big thing. Yeah. Um, enabling us to approach things differently. Um, last year, in 2013, uh, we um, launched a new strand of events called Naked Feasts. Yes. Which, are some, which were about outdoor dining and were about... Which was lovely. It was really great to sort of find beautiful iconic spaces in the, in the, in the city that are outdoors yeah. and so we had a bit of a practice with that in 2013 uh, and did a couple of those um, and it seemed to be uh, given that we were doing a festival of outdoor events it seemed to be a good overarching theme yeah. so really the whole festival will be under the banner of Naked Feasts uh, and there will be 12 different feasts happening during the festival in, in different locations or obviously all on different themes Brilliant. so we've got themes of themes of, uh, feasts, of feasts of talent feasts of art feasts of community feasts of science and feasts of Family. Right, so five different themes, 12 different feasts. Um, and then looking forward to Eat In um, in February 2015. Um, again, in 2013, we'd really developed the speakeasy and salon element of things. Yeah. And the wonderful Litton Fuller let us take over their basement. Yeah. Um, and we asked if we could come back again this year, and they said, yes, we could come back on one condition that we took over the whole building. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, which is very wow. sweet of them. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the whole bit of the Litton Fuller for 12 days. Wow. Yeah. In, uh, in February next year. Which I think is going to be great fun. Yeah. It means we get to build an incredible space that we can then adapt and work with them and do create lots of different experiences inside that building. Yeah. Plus um, uh, 
plus I can't bother to say. <laughs> no, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it will come back to me. Yeah. So it's going to be an incredible, incredible uh, adventure. I think taking over that amazing building. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, 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 for one, am massively looking forward to it. My, my wife just loves eating. And drinking. Yeah. But it was funny. Do you know what? There's so much goes on in the city with food yeah. now. There really yeah. is, and that's wonderful. Yeah. When we started out, there was absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, we had the farmers market, which mm. continues, um, and that was it. Mm-hmm. There were no. Really, you know, it was unimaginable that we'd have the diversity of things that we have now. You know, in terms of street food, for example, you know, there was no street food. No street food at all. We started our street food festival in 2009, Mm -hmm. and we went out to try and find street food, and there was none. So we then worked. We then recruited eight restaurants, and we worked with them day in day out, developing all the dishes, developing all the packaging, Mm. developing all the stalls and then launched that festival and now it's grown to a point where there's the steamer and yep. you know, the night recent and, and, and every event has a really strong street rhythm to it you know if you go to other cities it doesn't exist no. anywhere they just don't have it at all no. in Edinburgh there is no street food so we take it for granted here but actually we've grown that ourselves and made that happen yeah. and there's supper clubs and there's pop-up restaurants and there's cool little you know foodie events and you know um, like, you know, unusual little things happening in strange corners it's a really rare and wonderful thing that's happened yeah and it keeps us on our toes in that you know it's harder in many ways to come up with new things because there's so many things going on already and people are are already warmed up to it yeah but i think what's really nice is that eat scene it's kind of a safe place really for people who want to get into this kind of thing so often uh, i'll get people contact me saying listen i'm a an accountant but i want to be a fishmonger yeah can you help me and I'll say, well, hey, can we get involved in this? You can do this with us. So it seems to be a really nice place where people can come yeah. who want to start out. You know, as we said earlier on, loads of new openings in Newcastle in the last year, and Gateshead. Yeah. Um, and so I've just done the call out to the restaurant industry to say who wants to get involved in Eat this year. And yeah. all those new places are first in the queue. Because yeah. they see it as somewhere that they can get some profile and they can learn and they can get into the community of restaurants mm. and you know, find out who's who and what's what. Yeah. And lots of the other restaurants that we've been working with for years are now not so involved with us and they go and they, they've already got their they're kind of um, they're well established and they're, they're, they're doing what they're doing now, so. so it's working well as a springboard I think it, yeah, yeah massively so I mean it's such a wonderful thing that so many businesses uh, in the, the city have been involved with at some point and have, and have sprung some new element to what they do or made a connection or made or started to collaborate with somebody or or experimented or or you know been down some blind alley that they had no idea was going to lead to something else um, it's an odd one for me because during eat, you know, I'm around obviously everywhere and I see everyone and then I go and lie down for a while mm. and then when you come back, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, these people are friends now and they're yeah. doing something and oh, and those two businesses and they're collaborating and they're doing some amazing thing over there and you yeah. start to see that what you've done has created new opportunities for people, you know, it's really great. Well, I think when you think, when you look at a festival, mm. I mean, you look at Cannes Festival, for mm. example, it, that is much about the um, the way that companies and studios network with each other mm. as much as it is about the art of film, mm. you know, and promoting film. You know, I guess E-Festival is a similar thing. It's, it's as much about the networking and contacting between restaurants and food producers and that sort mm. of thing mm-hmm. uh, as much as it is about the, the culture of food. Totally. I mean, we... Um, I think the idea... I've not done it for a while now, but... Two, three years ago, I kind of had to go through an exercise just working out how many different organisations were involved in EAT in that year. Mm. And it was 350-something distinct different organisations or groups of people or people were involved in producing the one festival. And most of those people 
weren't getting paid. In fact, almost nobody was getting paid. Mm. And most of them were businesses who wanted to get involved because they um, they felt they would get something out of it other than other than money, you know. And mm. I think that makes it really unusual. Most festivals aren't like that at all. It's about huge amounts of money changing hands. Mm. But also, you know, my job is to say, okay, we've got this period of time, which is the festival. These are going to be the main themes, the main events that mm. I think are the right thing for us in that these are the things we did last year that we think we can still develop. These things we did last year that we're not going to do anymore. Mm. This is the stuff that people love that we can never change because they mm. love it so much. And here's loads of new ideas. Yeah. Weave it together into a very open structure that's, that's a framework, but there's nothing in it. Mm. And then all these businesses start saying, well, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll add that. And then it's my job is simply just to keep them all talking to each other, communicating, and make sure that they all link together. It's just a curating, organising role, really. Yeah. Um, and if you can, and if you can keep that many people in the loop and understanding where they fit into the bigger picture, yeah. And you can then have 350 different organisations bringing their talents to one thing. That's when it goes boom, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, the festival's put together on a shoestring budget. You know, people are shocked. You know, because it's not really about that. It's about. No hundreds of people saying I can do this I can add this I can do the other you know they give their time they give their resources their buildings their skills their knowledge um, and it's it's when they you know I sit beavering away all year round and I think oh you know this is going to be a disaster and then they come then everyone arrives on the day and does what they do brilliantly and it's amazing mm. and I think wow what an yeah. incredible group of people we've got here who all who all did their their thing and it created something really special that's a nice. That's, that's, that's a nice way of kind of finishing off, really. I've I've got I've got two questions, and these are kind of not quick fire questions, but ones that you they can be kind of one word questions, if you were. But um, I ask every single interviewee. Okay. Uh, the first one is: What sound um, best defines the northeast for you? Sound. A sound. Okay. Um. <laughs> I guess it would be a t- <laughs> it's odd it's the sound of a train I suppose just because I I spend my whole life on trains yeah. coming to and from and travelling all around you know my whole life revolves around Central Station and I've, I meet people in and around and on uh, the meeting I had before you know we're just outside Central Station now I've just met somebody here I just said to her, God last time I met you we actually stood on the platform and had like a 10 minute race uh, meeting on the station with trains whizzing through um, so yeah the train I guess <laughs> which is an odd one I know but yeah. It, rep- it represents your fast-paced but yet somewhat structured I guess life so, to an yeah. extent. <laughs> I guess so, and the hub of everyone coming in together, you know, yeah. into this thing and making one amazing thing happen in the city centre. There you go. And very final question is, um, who should I speak to next for this podcast? Oh, you should have uh, warned me, shouldn't you? That have, <laughs> that's a huge question that I should have given master thought to. Uh, who should you speak to next? Because uh, this is kind of as this is this whole thing is very much kind of like a, a journey yeah. for me, you know, and and it's it's about kind of going from one person to the next and being as diverse as possible with who I speak to. Yeah. So, well, I should probably sort of divert you away from the food industry <laughs> and the festival <laughs> right, industry because um, that would be uh, yeah that would make your listeners absolutely want to. I would divert you to. Um, a woman I work with who really inspires me. She's called Anna Ayres, and she's uh, she works at the Sage Gates. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she kind of is responsible for kind of conferences and events at Sage Gates. But she's uh, a big thinker and uh, and a very inspiring person in that she um, just 
sees so much more possibility in a situation than most people do and she's got a very special uh, adventurous spirit I think you would call it and, yeah. and a great way of kind of spotting um, an adventurous spirit in other people and the people she's drawn to so she's a great person and I would recommend you to go and speak to her I will try I'll put you in touch oh thank you very much okay uh, well it's been an absolute pleasure Simon and Me too. I'm really looking forward to all the food and culture and general just experiences and I know my wife will be as well, well I hope so. we won't disappoint oh no definitely not definitely not thank you so much You're welcome. I really Thanks, appreciate Sarah. it oh, so was that alright yeah